Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thank you, worship team, and good morning. Thank you for being here, and we are so glad um, for you as our church family and that you're able to be here with us um, in person and online this morning, too. So um, if you are new, a special welcome to you, and we would love to hear from you at the bottom of the bulletin. There's a connect card, and we would love for you to fill that out, rip it off, and um, either leave it in one of the offering boxes at the back of the auditorium, or you could leave it with our guest services team in the foyer um, as you leave. But a special welcome to, to you. Let um, know that we are grateful you're here. A special opportunity this week, our church family is providing meals for um, families that are experiencing homelessness, and they are staying with Family Promise. So thanks to so many who have already signed up for that. There were still two days left. Last time we looked on Friday and Saturday. So if you are interested in that, if you'd like to get together with friends or small group or, or do part of that meal, um, you could look on the events page online. You could look on the app. Um, you could talk to Jen Jerkowski. But we would love your help um, to support those families this week. Now we can um, open up your Bibles. We'll hear from Pastor John in the last message of our Locked In message series. Right. Thank you, Marcy. And good morning, church family. Hope it's been a wonderful week of summertime for you. I was reflecting uh, just earlier this week on just the simple gifts of God throughout the week that you just look at and you're like, that was just a gift of grace. And this time of year, and started last Sunday, was there a prettier day than last Sunday here in Danville, Indiana? I was thinking as our softball ministry was happening in the park, like the perfect day to be softballing, 80 degrees, northern breeze and uh, sun shiny and down there with friends and, and church family. And then on Monday, the uh, just the prospect of the Hendricks County Fair, all week long, this beautiful buffet of fried foods and fun, and uh, stretching out in front of us, and hope, uh, I know many of us made it over there, had a good time, and then the, uh, on Tuesday was a special day, or a gift of grace for our family, or personally, as it marked 30 years that Tam and I have shared life together as husband and wife, and so grateful for God's gift to me and her and then Thursday or Wednesday night, we gathered as, and some of our church family gathered in the airport, Indianapolis airport, as we welcomed home our team Guatemala and our uh, ladies who have been there serving all summer long and among them our daughter and just to give her a hug again was a gift of grace. Then Thursday night, we gathered here with uh, our elder leadership team to, uh, with Clayton Edwards as he defended his uh, doctrinal statement on the path to becoming an elder and it was just a neat time of worship but also seeing God's grace in his life and then uh, this weekend Jan Smither Michael Swingle saying I do and beginning life together as a Christ-centered couple and seeking to to glorify him through their new home this new home that's been birthed was just a highlight and then today to come together and just encourage each other again in our walk with Christ and really fix our eyes on him and remember who he is, what he's done, what he's doing, what he promises to do and encourage each other in that is, is just a gift, isn't it? But then as I was thinking about it, you have all these gifts of grace. I have, have had a number of conversations with people who are going through a really hard time and it was a tough week and multiple things coming at them and, and I, if I'm honest with my own heart, 
every day overload of, of good, but there's also usually this one like under the surface, pretty significant concern that's threatening to uh, steal my joy, my peace, and it's just a hard thing. And I don't have data on this, but I'm guessing every one of us in this room has that one thing. And it just brought me back to the sweet reality, the great treasure of life. Amidst the ups and amidst the downs is the constant presence of our faithful God, isn't it? Just, he is the treasure, and He is with us through it all. And I was reminded of Psalm 91.1 that really verbalizes this. As the psalmist says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High. And I love that picture of what Christ has made possible. We dwell in his shelter, the throne room of grace. We, he says, come. But it's not like, okay, in the shelter, we're over here in our room and God is over here in the throne room. The, the rest of the verse says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of Almighty. When you're in someone's shadow, where are you? close and I just love that picture of God hasn't called us into this okay you can be part of my family but you got to stay over here but he said hey come be with me come rest in my shadow and where's our peace in life it's one place it's in the shadow of El Shaddai of our shelter of our almighty God and when you're in the shadow of the one who loves you with an infinite love what do you have to worry about He's got us, doesn't he? And just uh, so grateful for that today. And as we go to his word, just uh, continue to worship and prayer. Father, as we open your word today and think about life mission and think about what you've called us to, which is often scary and full of uncertainty, we just fix our eyes on the shadow of your presence that surrounds us today. I thank you that there will never be a step that we take that takes us outside of your shadow that you will protect us that you've promised your presence and we this is our hope this is our joy this is our peace and I thank you today that we can just rest in the shadow of almighty omnipotence omnipresence omniscience and an infinite love we praise you for that as we open your word, we pray you'd stoke our passion today to be about what you've called us to be about. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, I was another highlight this week was having uh, coffee, getting to know Danny Mendez down over at the Beehive. And uh, he's sharing this memorable moment, sermon moment in his life where the pastor walked up on stage, didn't say anything, but just started going, went on for a while and then the pastor just goes life it's a gift who started our heartbeat God does hundred thousand times a day goes a reminder that, that life is a precious gift and the way it beats is a reminder, I'm trying to keep beat, sorry. Where's my drummer when I need him? It reminds us that time is fleeting, you know? Like, it's almost like a, uh, just, man, it's going. Lord, give me wisdom as I live. And then he sped it up. Those moments when 
life is full of wonder and joy. Christmas morning. That first date, you see her. Whoo. Him. <laughs> but then he slowed it down. pastor just said it's over man as I'm sitting there at the beehive thinking about that and drove away that day it was like wow that silence at the last beat whispers the question to us all am I merely surviving just marking time trying to get through this thing or am I living like, this is a gift. God has given me this. He started my heartbeat, made in His image, made for His glory, made to love Him, know Him, follow Him, and made to do some good that only you can do, only I can do, unique like snowflakes. You, you know, no one can do the good that you've been called to do. And Jesus said, and we've seen it, uh, Ephesians 2.10, that we are God's masterpiece created in Christ to do these good works. Am I going after it? Am I living? And, and it fires you up. I start to think, am I stuck? Am I stagnant? Have I grown distracted? And the simple call of Jesus that we've been following this year as a faith family where he says, follow me, let's do some good. This is how to be human. This is how to, to live out your life in the way that you were created to live it for the glory of God and the good of those around us. And we say, but how? How's this work? And we've been working our way through the uh, Colossians, Paul's letter that equips these these uh, Christ followers to what we've said to be fit and faithful to the finish, which is really fit, spiritually fit like Christ to do the life mission that they've been given, but also faithful to finish it. And today we wrap up this series in a text that's outside of Colossians, but it's actually Paul, the guy who wrote it, living this out. And what's neat about it is, you know how when you get with someone who's super passionate about something, Fire lights fire, passion lights passion, and that's what this text is. It's Paul's heart. We, we scoot in, and you can just feel the flame, the heat of his passion to serve Christ, and in doing so, stokes our passion. And so we're going to look at it, um, pray, and hope that it, it stokes our passion to be about what God's called us to be about. It, it's helpful to break it down into three parts. It's a three-part, we'll say it's a resolution of sorts. You can just feel his resolve to serve Christ. And it, it's uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 22. And it reads this way. It, it's Paul speaking. Luke is recording this, and he says this. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish this race, finish the race, and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And so the first part of this resolution, or his resolve to be faithful to the calling God's given him, could, could be said this way, verse 22, I'm going, not knowing. Going, not knowing. Verse 22, he says, but now, compelled by the Holy Spirit, bound, it's literally bound by the Holy Spirit. So it's this idea of as followers of Christ, we have the Spirit of God within us and we're called to live surrendered to His lead, filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, not quenching or grieving. And that's Paul right here. 
the Spirit nudges us um, internally through the, as a, his, through the Word of God, but uh, as to what we should be about. And Paul's saying, I know my next step, and it is, I am going to Jerusalem. But you might circle in your Bible these two words, not knowing what will happen to me there. Do you see the, the contrast? Certain uncertainty. Like, Paul is certain where he's going. I'm going to Jerusalem. I got my next step. But, but and what's very significant there is there is way more that he does not know than what he does know, not knowing what will happen to me there. But here's what's significant. The uncertainty, this fog of uncertainty does not keep him from movement, from going, from taking the next step. The, uh, think about, isn't this a just great picture of what life following Christ is like? Or really, it's one step at a time into a cloud of fog. We pray, and then we uh, sense God leading. We seek wise counsel, look at his word, but then we see that next step. We take the step, and then what happens? The next step opens up, and then the next step, and then the next step. I'm going. So you think about your life mission. The, uh, what is it that God is calling you to do, your next step? In this season of life, in this context, maybe in your family, the good that he's calling you to do there or in your neighborhood, or as we've been going throughout Colossians, he's been nudging you this direction, maybe a ministry at church or a ministry outside the, our church family. But when you see that next step, often we're, we're like, all right, I see the next step, but there's so all this, all these questions, and it can paralyze us, keep us from moving forward. The challenge out of this text is we see Paul here on this beach with these, uh, he's talking to these leaders, he's headed, he knows he won't see them again, full of passion, and he's saying, guys, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Challenges us to be in motion, to be moving. I love the story of a a guy who was struggling with his life mission. He was trying to figure out, what does God want me to do? And so he went on a short-term mission trip for three months down and visited a missionary who was... uh, ministering to the poor and dying, and he asked her, uh, would you pray for me? And she said, what can I pray for? And he said, would you pray for clarity? And she just laughed and said, no, (laughs) I will not pray for clarity. Clarity is the last thing you need to surrender. What I will pray for is trust, that you would trust the Lord taking that next step. I'm going not knowing. Second, he uh, part of this resolution or resolve can be seen in verse 23 we could say it this way i'm going knowing hardship awaits verse 23 says but i i only know that in every city the holy spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me here paul is facing predictable resistance and god through his spirit has just given him that heads up that hey you're on a battlefield and when we set out to do good in a world that we're, we know that evil's at play, we will face resistance. And so Paul is just resolving. He's, he's met that moment where he's just deciding in his heart, when resistance comes, when hardship comes, when suffering comes, I'm not stopping. I will carry on. As followers of Christ, I think it's so important that we keep our expectations of life down here very realistic and also battle-minded. Like, this is pavement, this is road, highway, home is, is after the 70, 80. Down here, we're going to have joys and wonderful moments, but for the most part, we've got to be ready to suffer, to lay it down, because 
live in a world where trials are a part of it, but, but we're in a, a battle, a very real battle of good and evil, and we've been called to bring good and actually engage the darkness with courage, with the power of God, but yet there will be, at times, price to pay or sufferings and hardships in the way. Jesus told us, um, in this world, you will have troubles. And there may be times when people even hurt us because of our faith in him. So the challenge today is will you resolve, will we resolve together that when it gets hard, I'm going, you know? In the world of sport, it's important. This is so important. You know, when you're running a race, you you know that time's coming. If it's a marathon, you're going to hit the wall. But early on, you decide when the wall comes, I'm running through it by God's, with God's help, and I'm going. I'm not stopping. So that when it comes, you've already decided knew this was going to be a part of it, I'm going. And so it is as we follow Christ. Have you resolved or made that resolution that when it gets hard, similar with marriage, you know the hard times are coming, but early on you decide, you make the vow and say, we're going to work through this. As you follow Christ to do the good that he's calling you to do, that specific thing, are you ready to run through the pain? I'm going. I'm going, not knowing. I'm going knowing hardship is coming, but I will run through this. I love the, this bit of literature that's become common but it still holds power for me in the, the context with which it was written. And it's of a Rwandan man who, it was back in 1980, his tribe said either you renounce Christ or we'll kill you. And he wrote this the night before he stood and, and stood for Christ and, and lost his life as a result of that. And he says, this is what he wrote. They found this note in his room the next day. He said, I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense, and my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, chintzy giving, and dwarfed goals. I I no longer need preeminence prosperity, position, promotions, or popularity. I now live by his presence, lean by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven. My road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, my guide reliable, my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. And I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go until heaven returns, give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes. And when he comes to get his own, he will have no problem in recognizing me. My colors will be clear. I'm going, not knowing. Isn't that good? And then the third part of this resolution that we see in uh, verse 24, the the last verse is, I'm going to the finish. I'm going to complete this task, finish the good work that I've been given to do. It says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish this race. Living with that finish line focus and finish line kick, Complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Can you feel the heat in his passion right, right here? 
Paul is counting the cost. You know he's going to get on this boat, go to Jerusalem, good chance, lose his life as he testifies to who Christ is and what he's done. But he's like, let it be. I've counted the cost. You say, why? How, what's driving this? And it comes back to the, that little phrase, the Lord Jesus has given me this task. It's living with his eyes fixed on, on the audience of one. He's living locked in on our Lord Jesus. And don't you love the way he describes like his job? And really, it's the way we could all describe our jobs. Acts 1-8, called to be witnesses of Christ. He says, my goal is to testify, to witness to the good news. Like, guys, we have incredible news to point to. The good news of what? How does he sum it up? What we've been singing about this morning. God's grace. <laughs> like the living God, almighty God, our creator, our sustainer, the one who's given us this. And yet we've wasted this gift. We've sinned against him. We deserve judgment. We deserve eternity apart from him. Here's the good news. He's come after us with the love that's infinite. And Jesus came fully God, fully man, lived the perfect life we couldn't live so that we could get credit for his life, died the death that we deserve so that through faith in him, faith alone and by grace alone, that when we trust him, we receive the forgiveness of our sin forever covered by God's grace. Love that song where like forever covered by his grace and we have the joy of entering into this love relationship with our God forever to experience life at its very, very best. This is what we get to share with others. And I, I love this picture. I heard a guy say, you know, every, I want to live in that sweet spot of every conversation or every contact is an opportunity to say a good word for God's grace. And how many, where do you begin, right? And the grace that God is pouring out on our lives. And this is what's driving him. This is his passion. I'm going to finish this race to my last breath to be saying, have you heard of God's grace? How much he loves you and this gift that, that we have. All right, so bringing it all together, if there's two words that we could remember today, and as we wrap up this Locked In Message series, it would be this, I'm going, I'm in motion, I'm moving. I'm going, not knowing. A lot, a lot I don't know, but one thing I do know, there's some good that God wants me to do right here, and I'm going after it. And so what is that for you, and are you ready to go? Second, I'm going knowing that it, there will be tough moments in this journey where I'm, I'm going to want to quit on the good that he's called me to do, but I'm going to run through the resistance by his power and then third i'm going to the finish it's he's the one who started the work will finish the work in us but there's this cooperation where we're saying we make that resolve by god's grace i'm in it to to finish it amen now what's neat is we see paul this passion in paul's heart well today we get to see this in a bunch of people's hearts we'll start with with two who god brought to our church family and i've been looking forward to sharing their story since I found out that he was leading them here, and they said, don't make much of our story. We're just ordinary like everybody. Like, yes, true, we're all, stories are all the same, but their story illustrates really what we've been wanting to do all year, where Jesus says, follow me, let's do some good, but also illustrates this text and um, the message of the day. And so I've asked Tim and Jenny Krager to come on up at this time and uh, give us a window into one, their faith story, but two, the mission that God has, has uh, given them. Here we have a picture, just to give you some ba a backstory. They're right there in the middle. Three kids, 15 grandkids, uh, a great-grandchild on the way in September, and just, they moved down here from northern Indiana back in, uh, 
last year sometime, October, to be with kids and just support the family. And um, one thing that, just to share what, what they're going through, is Tim, athletic guy, and, and uh, just loves action, but, but for this season of life, he is weathering Parkinson's disease. But even today, speaking is kind of hard, but I'm praying God will give him grace to, to share what's on his heart, and I think you'll feel the, the passion. But we'll start with Faith's story. I wanted to share a verse, and I didn't do this the last service, but um, in Psalms 34, 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man or woman who takes refuge in him. And I love that song, too, Pastor. We are covered by his grace. And as the years have gone by, I trusted Christ as a child and um, dedicated my life again at 19 to really follow him. And God didn't call us to the mission field till. 46 years old and after raising three children so I'm just saying taste and see that the Lord is good and he takes care of us Thanks, Tim if you want to maybe share your faith story and then this journey into the ministry God took you into its score well like Jenny I was <clears throat> excuse me I was raised in a Christian home but mine was also a military home so it was very disciplined. Um, let me get this. It was very disciplined. And so I had a, a verse here. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. When I was raised in the Christian home. One rule that my parents had was when the church doors are open, you will be there. There was no uh, sports on Friday, Wednesday night or spending the night at someone's house on Saturday night. But, you know, I would be at church. And I just assumed that I was a Christian, that, that I was saved, that I was on my way to heaven. But evangelist came my sophomore year in high school. Evangelist Angelus came to share a, a salvation message. And it was, it was in that message that I read that I got this verse. And it's, you, nobody's automatic. You know, you can't work your way to, to heaven. And it says to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Um, SCORE. SCORE is actually an acronym. It stands for Sharing Christ Our Redeemer Everywhere. And what it started out in 1985 as a short-term missions trip uh, for sports evangelism. It was a basketball coach started it, and he started the sports evangelism ministry. When we went on a trip, or I went on a trip in 1998 with my son on a basketball trip, and it was life-changing. I came back, and I asked the founder of SCORE, you know, what can, how can I help your ministry? I don't have money. But how can I help your ministry? He said, if you get 15 athletes to travel, I'll let you go for free. You can travel with them for free. I said, well, I can do that. So I got 37 to go. <laughs> and so I asked, my, I asked him if my wife could go on a trip along with me. <laughs> and so he did. And we went to Costa Rica. And it was on that Costa Rica trip when we both felt God calling us to missions. And so we came back home, basically sold everything we had, and started with SCORE in 1999 in October. 
And what's interesting about this is I wish we had no way to do justice to their story here. You can take them out for lunch, breakfast or something to hear it all. But when they started with SCORE, it was relatively small, and it has blown up over the years. And thousands of people have gone on short-term mission trips, thankful to your ministry, administration, and just being faithful to, to plug in and help. But to a little window into what, what SCORE is and does, we have the, the group breakdown here. This is a pie chart of, this is pre-COVID numbers from 2019, but we took 5,392 people on short-term mission trip in that year, and you can see from the pie that about 54% of those were church groups. That'd be like a, a youth group or a, a construction crew, medical, dental crew. We have a medical and dental ministry. And then about the athletes are about 25%. And that's where Jenny and my heart is. We like to recruit the athletes. So, you know, we have college teams that travel with us. We've got Cedarville, Cornerstone, Bethel, Grace, Indiana Westland. They've traveled with us in the past. And, and we also do high school groups. And if there's any coaches out there or players, individual players, if you'd like to go on a trip, talk to me afterwards. We would love to be able to take you. Coaches, we could take your whole team. So that's it. Do you feel the passion in this, brother? He's going somewhere. I'm going, not know it. But uh, he's already got plans for Danville. Basketball trip? No, well, I, I'd love for them to love, go. This is a, yeah. the vision. So I'm, I'm putting money, or I'm not putting money, but I, I would put money if I was putting money. <laughs> it's going to happen. And uh, even lacrosse, right? Yes. Isn't that a cool deal? pumps you up so moving on or yeah church plant church plant ministry we have this in Dominican Costa Rica and Honduras this is the Dominican Republic Dominican Republic by far is our biggest ministry we have missionaries in 10 different countries and we have about 70 missionary families that make up score just to give you an idea we were the first score missionaries full-time and the first score missionaries to go out of the country but in the last 22 years, it's blossomed into 70. To 70. Isn't that a neat story? And uh, a heartbeat of, of church planting. These are six young men that are, being, that are being ordained to pastor this church. What we do is we go into a village and start a church in a community building or under a tree even. And once they get established and they have bigger numbers, then we build a, a building for them like this. This is your typical building that's in the Haitian sugarcane villages. This is Pasitos de Jesus. This is a girls' orphanage. It, it stands for little steps of Jesus or or uh, footprints of Jesus. And this is a that we partnered with them. We built them a facility that sleeps 60 girls, and that's going strong right now. And that's in the Dominican Republic. Josiah's house. This is kind of interesting. I was telling Pastor, many of you know John and Lois Mixon with Bethesda Outreach. We're, we're very close friends with John and Lois. We knew them when they were with Bethesda Children's Home. And when we were going to start, this is a boys' orphanage. We were going to start boys' orphanage. We consulted John, and he recommended that we do the family style with a husband and wife as the parents and then six to eight boys. And so we started in the Dominican Josiah's house. 
It's Emmanuel House. This is a, a daycare center that we have about 150 kids. They'll walk two, three miles to be able to, to get a meal and to be able to hear the gospel. And now we've started an elementary school in the same building. This is helped funded by Alfonso Soriano, baseball player for the Cubs. I'm gonna let Jenny share this with you. This is our anti-trafficking uh, ministry, women's ministry. Yes, this was started probably about 15 years ago and one of our missionaries and her husband came and served with us and um, they were from West Virginia and uh, she felt called to go speak to women on the streets. And through that ministry, um, it has become the Lily House and they're associated with international justice out of Washington, D.C. And so now we just opened for girls that are preteen so that they won't get trafficked on the streets. And we're pretty excited about that ministry, but it's huge. We have homes, uh, they come and study the word of God and, and uh, it changes their life, we pray. Um, it's very difficult. At one time we had nine women and 24 children that were prostituting out on the streets in Wandolio, Dominican Republic. So we're just really grateful for that couple, Eric and Nate, Jude. Just go. That's, I mean, Pastor John had, let's get going. Uh, you know, missions, if you, if you have an opportunity to go on a mission trip, you need to go. Just an example of these young ladies here that went on this trip, how it impacted their life. It will impact your life. The first trip that we went on, or I went on, was 46 years old, and it changed my life. And uh, I would just say, you just got to go. Awesome. Thank you, brother. We just thank them for ministry. One more highlight story. We have uh, Rich and Sherry Smith. So good to have them with us, as well as our team of wonderful, beautiful, compassionate ladies. Our girls were a little bit biased, but uh, who went with them for six weeks. Rich and Sherry have been hosting them, or actually, yes, seven plus, but... Just uh, want to say one thank you to Rich and Sherry for your opening up your hearts and homes to, to these guys and church family. Thank you for your support and prayer and love. And then thank you, ladies, for just going and uh, being an inspiration to us. But get to hear a, a window into what happened, how it's going. Well, first of all, we're just so excited to be here. Um, Thanks for always making us feel welcome. For those who don't know us, we're Rich and Sherry Smith. Um, my parents, Bob and Nancy McLaughlin, also are a big part of this church. Um, and we have been living and serving in Guatemala for four years now in the Antigua area. Um, the, our ministry, really, our passion, our primary focus is training nationals. And that has two main things that we do. Um, we have a pastoral leadership training program that we um, are super involved with there that we administer around the country. Um, it's a nine-month training pro biblical training program and uh, working with young people, doing having um, a young adult ministry. Those are kind of our two main things that are, are we're passionate about, and it kind of 
everything else we do flows out of that. So we do a lot of things and we're gonna have, we have a video that, um, of basically kind of, a, kind of a wrap up of the girls' time, if you could go ahead and start that. Um, in the video, you'll see them doing a lot of things, um, serving with kids' ministries, um, helping put together food bags, delivering food bags, uh, helping with medical clinics. We do a lot of different things like that. Those things all flow out of the, the training nationals and trying to, doing everything we can to come alongside them and train and equip them. So uh, before we left and had a really similar story to sell the house, leave the jobs, um, follow God leading us to go into full-time ministry. Um, we were very involved with the high school youth here and the college ministry here. And the beautiful part of that is how we really thought oh, how, how it was super hard for us to leave that because we love that ministry. Um, but yet God keeps it going. God does the things you could never see coming. And the fact that he's using... The, these young people that have been a, that we've known for years, have served with for years, and then brought them down to serve with us in Guatemala with the young people that we serve with there, who are a huge part of our life, um, has just been amazing. So we're, we absolutely loved it when Libby reached out and said, hey, could we come and serve with you? Um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So we started talking and praying about that and just watched the Lord put the whole thing together and then what his plan was for six of them to come and serve for two months and that was has been amazing so I'm gonna let Rich kind of take it from there and talk a little more about what that has looked like in the whole theme of the Olympics uh, we want to thank you for sending the dream team um, <laughs> they were pretty okay um, we love these girls um, there are two that aren't able to be with us today um, but what a privilege to serve alongside them and to watch them give of themselves, um, not knowing um, what they were getting themselves into, but being willing and being willing to encourage one another as is scriptural, to come alongside one another and serve and, and push and prod each other um, to follow uh, the Lord. And, and even in uncomfortable places and ways, um, and they were tremendous. They were the perfect blend of absolutely hilarious and very, very serious about what they were doing and why they were there. Um, as Sherry mentioned, our primary ministry is serving um, and helping equip nationals, and, and that's through the, the two ministries that she talked about, young adults. We typically have about 30 to 35 young adults in our house every Saturday uh, for about four hours, sometimes longer. Uh, we feed them and do worship and devotionals and um, just a lot of really cool uh, encouragement and bonding. Um, and, and then the ministries that we have gotten into are numerous um, as a result of partnering with nationals and, and helping equip them. Then they get us into other ministries such as we pray with the National Police twice a week um, at their barracks. and about 65 officers, and it's an interesting thing standing in front of a group of men and women holding assault rifles and dressed in all black, and, um, and they are so grateful. And these girls, 
these girls did the same thing. Yeah, and we're now doing Bible studies and have 20 officers, more or less, that show up for a Bible study. Um, and the girls joined us in that. Um, they joined us in, in so many different um, ministries, and they left a mark on the people, and I know the people left a mark on them. Um, one other thing that I wanted to mention um, that we could ask that you would pray for for Sherry and for me as we continue constantly in missions. Um, we have found, this has been a little surprising for us, but it's become a theme that um, you don't just do one thing. Uh, the Lord continues to open other avenues through relationships. And so you're constantly weighing, what, what should I stop doing? What should we start doing? And, and one of the things that is, he is continuing to put before us is a need with um, young adults, um, particularly those that are um, coming out of orphanages um, that are pushed out at age 18 onto the streets. Um, and there are no social backstops that you might have here um, in the U.S. Um, and, and then uh, trafficking, as Jenny mentioned, is a, a big issue. A lot of it is just driven from poverty. And um, very, very young children are trafficked and, and then rescued. But those kids need a place to stay when they um, age out at age 18. And so that's something that we're praying about um, that the Lord has put on our hearts for the past several years, and we're looking to take a next step and see where he takes us from there. So if you would pray for us in that, we would really appreciate it. Um, so we wanted to ask, uh, I think a couple of the girls are going to speak in this service, um, and I'm going to pretend to ask a question that's meaningful when they already know what they're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so the real question of the day is... Purdue or Indiana. Come on. <laughs> okay, Libby, you want to take it away and talk about what um, has been the most impactful part of this experience and how you're going to carry that forward? Um, yeah, so for me, uh, I remember one afternoon specifically, um, me, Lindley, who's not here, and Edwin, um, they're adopted some from Guatemala, we decided to go on an afternoon jog, and um, <laughs> halfway through, we stopped to, that we saw a bunch of kids playing soccer, so we stopped, and we were playing soccer with them, and um, that was just unique in itself, and a mem like probably one of my favorite memories. Um, we finished the jog, and the three of us, we ended up back at home sitting together, and um, Edwin, he just opened up to us and started sharing a lot of his story, um, just about... Um, his story with the Lord, and then also just times of trial when, um, yeah, just times of trial as he was growing up in Casa Shalom, which was an orphanage we got to visit a couple times while we were there. Um, and yeah, for me, it was simply that, just hearing his story and meeting the kids and playing with the kids at Casa Shalom. Uh, I think the Lord really opened my eyes up to the reality of how many kids there are growing up without families. Um, and the Lord just taught me um, that caring for orphans is truly at the heart of the gospel, and um, yeah, so I think the Lord used Edwin to teach me several things, give me advice, and um, also just stir up this passion in me to 
um, know and love and care for orphans. Um, I'm also just thankful for the opportunity to watch Rich and Sherry do life and just how they willingly opened up their home to us and then several Guatemalans while we were there. Um, the Lord's truly at work in them, and I was just very thankful to witness that. So, yeah. Amen. Um, I have many, many things that I learned, <laughs> um, and I actually came home a few weeks earlier than the rest of the team, so I'm up here learning some of these things at the same time you guys are, um, but during the time that I was there, I, um, yeah, I didn't realize what I was learning. I didn't realize what the Lord was teaching me, and that has been a question that people have been asking me a lot since I've been home, um, and honestly, now that everyone's home together, I feel like I'm finally, like, piecing everything together, and I'm like, ah, okay, God, thank you. I needed that, <laughs> um, but the one verse that the Lord just continually um, used um, in my life while I was there was Matthew 11:28 28 um, through 30, and it's come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, we were very busy in Guatemala, but at the same time, the Lord used it to teach me how to rest in him. Um, it's not even so much about how to rest physically, but how um, we can rest in, rest in God's goodness and his grace and in the salvation that he um, offers to us and that we have once we accept him into our hearts. Um, and I've, I've been a Christian my whole life, but um, it's as I continue to get older, I realize how much I've tried to work for my salvation, um, and even just like going to another country and serving, it just like felt like that was going to help, um, just like get closer to God or like be more saved, which is not a thing. Um, <laughs> so I think just the Lord really taught me that I can just rest and like the grace that he has given me, and I can rest in that salvation, and everything else gets to flow from it, and including serving with Rich and Sherry, and with my amazing friends, and just getting to know um, the Guatemalans, and we just love them all so much, um, but yeah, I'd say the Lord, the Lord just taught me rest, and that was really good, spiritual rest, it's very nice. Thank you, so um, the the video was put together by Edwin, our, our son, our Guatemalan son, and uh, so yeah, that was an amazing thing to get to have all of them get to know him and, and him be such a big part of, of their time and, and our ministry. We are truly, truly grateful for him and the things we're learning from him. Yeah, and it was, um, it was just a fantastic experience for us and, uh, and for uh, the ministry partners that um, live and serve with us um, there from Guatemala, from El Salvador. Um, we've got a terrific team there, and they just partnered amazingly um, together. So thank you again for sending such a wonderful group. And, and pray for these girls as they continue to process uh, what the Lord is, is teaching them and doing in their life and, and the way they view life around them now differently. Thank you. Fired up to go. <laughs> we have a uh, church plant or a short-term mission team that 
Pastor Tyson oversees, that if you'd like to get information about uh, being a part of a short-term trip, let us know. But we'll go ahead and stand at this time. Thank you for joining us today. Next Sunday, we begin our August series. It's a family series that we're calling Best Advice Ever, and excited to uh, learn the truth from the book of Proverbs and how we can apply that into our everyday relationships, specifically in, in family, and hope you can join us for that. The Lord bless you as you go. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.